The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786 786- Seven zero eight zero eight one three, or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at seven eight six seven zero eight zero eight one three to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that's very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, it's having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Chris Kaufman is here. Simon Clancy is back from sabbatical. How was your vacation, Simon? Great, mate. The weather was beautiful. As you, girls. May, as you may or may not know, Simon had a bout with, uh, what was it, like just some, some strange flu, right? Yeah, some, it was just a flu. It was, apparently, it's called the Ch- Chinese flu, if we're, you know, mm. following, following President Trump. Yeah, my dog had that. Uh, and, he, and his great lead, um, you know, only 100,000 dead. Hey, we're doing brilliantly. Um, I mean, I can't talk. Our country's up shit creek as well, so... Um, 
I mean, we're only topped by the fact that your country is doing worse than ours. I mean, pretty much the two worst countries in the world. But yes, I, ha- I had coronavirus and uh, it's day 15 now. So I'm, I was allowed out today for the first time, uh, which was a, a bit of a revolution. And uh, I was keen to get back on my bike this evening. Uh, so I just thought I'd take it easy with one of the short routes, sort of 45 minute routes that uh, I do just to get back and get the old uh, blood pumping again uh, and after 15 minutes it felt like I'd done a stage of the Tour de France and I had to stop uh, I was that tired uh, and you boys have you boys have kindly agreed to do the uh, do the podcast early tonight because uh, I've actually been in bed by this time every night for the last two and a bit weeks and as a night hawk so I mean, it doesn't really go to bed much before about 1 32 o'clock in the morning yeah the sheer concept of staying awake that late fills me with dread so um I need my beauty sleep but um yeah I'm back at about 85 percent so just about ticking over. Well, that's good. I'm not dead anyway. Yeah. Well, you know that. that well, that's you know, that's as good as you can do right now, right? You're not exactly. dead. You know. So, so Chris. He's oh, not dead either. He's not, oh, I'm. I'm, I'm not dead. dead. <laughs> no, I was. I was going to ask you, Simon. How's the taste in your mouth right now? Taste is all right. I've got a, a good old-fashioned cup of tea. Mm. Um, I do it still have like that tea. weird taste. I, I, it does. I do still have Lovely. that weird taste. Um, so, so when I started to get sick, I got this really weird. <laughs> this is going to sound so weird. I got this really weird smell in my mouth and Good. taste in my throat, and I, I didn't know what it was. And I, I was explaining today to a friend that I, I had to go upstairs and change my t-shirt, and I was like thinking, what? I don't. I mean, I haven't been sick on myself. I would, I would know, but it does smell like sort of somebody's died and crawled into my mouth and I've thrown it back out again. <laughs> um, yeah, you told then me you had, you my told bro- had the taste of rotting flesh yeah. in your mouth, which begs the yeah. question, have you ever brother- had rotting flesh in your mouth? I've not. And actually it was a doctor that said, does it take, does it smell like rotting flesh? And I was like, yes, that's a, yes, it does. And my brother and I are kind of growing our beards, kind of castaway, Tom Hanks castaway style during the lockdown so he can get it the longest. Although he's kind of given up and gone for a Hitler moustache, which says more about him than it does about me. Um, but um, so, and then I thought maybe I got like, like, but I mean, I wash every day, like, you know, I take good care of myself. And I was like thinking maybe I was, have I got like rotten food in my beard? So I, I literally washed my face three times. And then I realized the smell was actually in my nose. But the interesting thing is it's not actually there. It's not actually a real smell. It's called fan, fan, I don't know, fanta something, not fantasy. Yeah. Fantas, there's, there's definitely a word for it. I've seen it listed among the symptoms. It's, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's not actually there. It's just the brain's sending a message to the rest of your body that there's something wrong, but it doesn't really know what to do. So it's just going to send a weird smell to alert the rest of your body, uh, but it's not really there. So even though I, uh, and when it was really bad in the early stages of the coronavirus, I was, um, it was almost making me gag every time I breathed in and out. The smell was that bad. Whereas now it's not, it's kind of fairly controllable. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I had three or four really fucking grim days. I went to hospital um, I was in the hospital overnight. Oh man! And the it, smell you know, it surprised horrendous. me though about the smell thing because um, I I talked to uh, a buddy of mine at work um, has has friends up in New York, and um, and there it's I guess it's sort of a running thing up there. Like like they all know it. Like, do you have it? Well, do you have any taste and and smell in your mouth? If you lost or if you lost the sense of smell and taste, then yeah, you have it. Um, 
and it's so popular up there, I guess, that it's mm. so common. And it, in, in your case, though, you didn't just lose the sense of smell or lose the sense of taste. You actually had the smell and taste of rotting flesh in your mouth. Which is which a nice bonus. Smell as dead people. You, you've got... Yeah, it's you've cool got you got some strange strain of this thing up and uh, over in the UK. <laughs> I have. It's called phantosmia. This thing I've just looked at. Fan, and that's the right. interesting thing, but the interesting thing is that the National Health Service, the NHS website, tells you that to 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 combat phantosmia, which is what I did before I realised I had coronavirus, is to fill a cup with boiling hot water and then let it cool down and then put in a a teaspoon full of salt and a teaspoonful of bicarbonate of soda and let it cool down. And then what you do is pour, mix it, pour it into the palm of your hand and then hold one nostril shut and then literally snort it like you're snorting Coke and that's supposed to clear it. One of, one of the single worst things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. I was just going to say, do you just forget it because of the pain? (laughs) Horrendous, horrendous. Like I'd rather have the smell of rotting flesh. In fact, I'd rather have dead people up my nose than have to do that again. (laughs) oh my god awful horrific so that's been my fortnight wow well it's been you know so an eventful two weeks for simon clancy i would say okay let me ask this question though that fortnight of all those horrible and you described them to us before it was horrifying what you had to go through uh not just taste and smell that a fortnight of that or you know 14 days of that or 14 years of being a dolphins fan i might have had 37 years of being a dolphins fan well so. I, I, but the last 14 wow. i mean <laughs> tough tough though isn't it um yeah i'd probably take the i'd probably take the coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> it's been tough it's been a <laughs> I think. Tough, it's been a tough fortnight. i mean there was a, there was a point when i was sat in the ambulance um, and I said to the ambulance person, like, I'm quite frightened. I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. I'm quite scared. And the guy was like, it could be worse, mate. It could be a Dolphins fan. And I was like, no, mate, I, I am a Dolphins fan. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. That's a Welcome saying you've been in last England? Two weeks. Yeah, I will exactly. never forget. I will never forget in, in, uh, after the Dolphins finished blowing that lead in New England for the division title and a bye week. And I go and I just start aimlessly walking my dog around the city. And my dog was one of those that just, that just used to just love to run out into traffic. So I kept pulling him back and I keep telling him, Ronnie, come back here, come back here. And one of those times I kept saying, you know, it wouldn't be such a bad idea if I just ran out into traffic here. Because <laughs> this team, this team has given us so much pain, but it seemed to have ended. A, su- a Sunday evening. Yes. <laughs> This team has given us so much pain, but it seems to have ended because somebody's under contract. Simon sucks you back in, though, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, no, thirty million. Yes. Yeah, giving his money to car. This time for the right reasons. Hopefully, yeah. There was a great tweet. I don't know who it was, but somebody said, you know, the Dolphins should should show some faith and exercise the fifth year option right now. <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. Just get it over with. Take that yeah. shit seriously. Yeah, yeah, just just get it out of the way. But uh, the Dolphins were a bit active in the UDFA market, and you've been talking up a few guys, Chris. If you can run them down for us, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, they 
so by all accounts, the Dolphins actually, you know, had everything lined up very well as soon as uh, undrafted free agency started, which I guess was a feat. I'm not, I can't pretend to know the exact particulars of, um, and logistics of this because of the, all the COVID shutdowns and, and lack of pro days and visitations and stuff like that. But I guess they had their ducks in a row. Um, and so they were, uh, they were ready to go and had everybody that they wanted pretty, pretty close after the draft. And, uh, and so among the guys that they got, we'll go on, um, on the offensive line first, they got Donnell Stanley, uh, who's a center from South Carolina. Um, they got Jonathan Hubbard, who is an offensive tackle from Northwestern State. Um, I'll talk about those two guys later. They also got Nick Kaltmeyer from Kansas State. He's an offensive tackle, right tackle. Um, now on the offensive side still, they actually took a defensive end from Montana State named Bryce Sturk. He was at the, uh, the Shrine game. And they're converting him to tight end, which is weird. Um, and then a wide receiver rounding it out. They took uh, Kirk Merritt, Kirk Merritt from uh, Arkansas State, and uh, he's a wide receiver. And then also Matt Cole, who Simon, you read that, um, you pointed out that article uh, that was written about him. It was uh, it was a very nice story about um, yeah the Ka- Kaylin Kaler piece about yeah he was the mysterious he was the the hidden draft prospect that Kaylin Kaler does every year for the for the MQB and just turned out that that Matt was the guy and he essentially signed with the Dolphins because Brian Flores phoned him up after the draft. He was the only head coach to phone him up and, and gave him the big pep talk. And um, mm. he was, he signed for us. So way to go. Way to go, Brian then. Uh, so those are the two wide receivers. And then uh, on the defensive side of ball and defensive line, they got two big uglies, uh, Benito Jones of Ole Miss, um, who was, you know, many expected to be drafted. He's, he's actually kind of a, um, I mean, a lot of people would recognize his name if they're draft Knicks, certainly, and have looked at him. Uh, but they also got Ray Lima, uh, Iowa State. He's a nose tackle. Uh, both of them are kind of more like nose tackles. Um, mm. Defensive end, Tyshun Render of Middle Tennessee State. More famous, I think, because uh, Bill Belichick I've skipped the combine, was it? He skipped the combine That's to go right. work him out. You know, that's right. In the, in the pouring rain, do you remember those photos? In the in the, in the pouring rain, uh, skips the combine to go work out. Tyshun Render of Middle Tennessee State in the pouring rain. That's uh, that's something. Um, and then they also got uh, Kylan Johnson, a linebacker from Pittsburgh. Uh, not not really a rush linebacker, more like a you know a true linebacker. Um, and then who am I forgetting? Did I forget anybody? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's think the so. end of the list. So. Uh, nobody in this defensive secondary, nobody, because, I mean, we've, we're loaded, um, and no running backs. Uh, so, Which is uh, odd, isn't it? Well, yeah, although, you know, I, I'm also, we're going to talk about UDFAs. I'm, I'm tempted, aren't you, to talk about Malcolm Perry among the UDFAs? Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. we talked about it right after the draft. Like, it seemed like after they picked that long snapper in the sixth round, it was like, you know, our draft is over. <laughs> <laughs> and and they've, they've checked all the boxes that they needed to check and from here on it's just like you know who who do we snap up before you know, just because we're not quite sure we might get them at, as an undrafted free agent they might go with somebody else's offer and and to me that's Malcolm Perry of Navy, Navy is uh because Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots had been spending so much time and, and sending so much attention toward him so maybe we include him in this 
uh, as sort of a running back wide receiver gadget. Um, of course, it was an option quarterback at Navy. But those that's the that that's the the team the team scout team <laughs> undrafted free agent bottom of the roster. All right, now let me ask a question of you guys of, of one of these guys, okay? And that's Kirk Merritt. Uh, Kirk Merritt is six feet tall, over two hundred and ten pounds. He's chiseled, runs sub four five, vertical of over forty, great in yak, highly productive player, but he has. Uh, how do I put this delicately? He has two uh, indecent exposure charges that he pled no contest to. Had oh, that not happened, here we go. Here I know we that's go a again. big ask, okay? <laughs> Had that not happened, A, does he get drafted? B, is he a top 100 player? Simon. Um, no, I mean, I've seen him play. I've seen him play live. He was uh, – he played receiver at East Mississippi Community College, uh, and I saw them play the state championship game in Celotopia in Mississippi in 2017, fall of 2017. Yeah. He was playing receiver there. Um, Lindsey Jones, who then went to Missouri and I think now is at – transferred from Missouri and is somewhere like New Mexico State, was the quarterback. He was originally signed at LSU. Um, and Merritt, you wouldn't have – you know, he wasn't, I mean, he had, I think he had three catches for 33 yards, but you wouldn't have picked him out of a, you wouldn't have said, look, there's an NFL receiver. And you certainly wouldn't say that there's a, there's a guy that would go in the top 100. I mean, he's never struck me as a, you know, I think some, just those off field issues. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of Cecil Collins all over again when you, when you look mm-hmm. at those um, situations, I think, you know, and I think he looked like he was going to flash a little bit at Oregon. And I know they were high on him when he first went there, but, I've, I've, you know, if he makes the roster, I'll be staggered, frankly. Hmm. Oh, Chris. I'm going to have to, I, I mean, I think you would have been drafted, I, to be honest. Um, I think that if you look at him and, you know, I've, I've looked at his Arkansas, I can't pretend to have seen his, uh, his last chance, uh, you know, the East Mississippi thing. Um, hmm. But I've seen him at Arkansas State, and I saw him uh, also play in the, um, I believe it was the NFLPA game, and uh, and I think he was draftable. I do. Uh, um, I think you know you put together not just the athletic um, prowess that he has on the field, but also how he tested. Which, again, this is it's hard to it's hard to verify when everything is shut down and you, you're not witnessed by. 12 scouts and and stuff and so on and so forth but um but his numbers from there were staggering um you know the people are talking about like a 45 and a half inch vertical and you know running in the in the sub four fives maybe even in the into the four threes with good shuttles and good uh cone drills times and stuff like that so um He's a good athlete. He's always been a good athlete. And I think that he was draftable because you don't usually find slot specialists, I think, that are really good athlete uh, like that. And he is a slot specialist. He plays like a slot specialist. And what I mean by that is he's a run after a catch specialist. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that's what he's good at. Um, He's also, you know, a really surprising good blocker i i often find there's sort of like a negative correlation between your your how how much of a specimen a guy is like his athletic prowess versus how how much he actually puts into blocking yeah. um 
And, and he kind of bucks that trend a little bit because he will block his ass off. So, um, so as a good blocker and as a, a short catch, run after catch kind of guy, um, you know, that's, he does that, but he's also, you know, combines that with the fact that he's fast and athletic so he can run those slot fades and stuff like that and, and go up and get the ball. And, and, he, um, and another interesting thing about him is that he's returned kicks and punts at every yeah. single level he's played at in his life. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's just his run after catch gift. I mean, that's, yes. so what he's good, the things that he's good at are he's actually, he seems like he's really good at like genuinely good at, and that's run, run after catch. And, um, and I think that, you know, if he's going to make it, that's how, and they put them and they did a lot of like jet sweeps with them, all that kind of stuff that they do with those sorts of gadget players. And so if you're, I'm trying to paint a picture of what kind of guy he is, he's, he's definitely a short strider. Um, I definitely did not find that he's very crisp out of his breaks, especially, um, you know, in, in or out, um, in breaking or out breaking. Um, he does come down the stem pretty well, but uh, his hands are kind of inconsistent. You get, you, you get the feeling you almost wonder because he was third he was third in the pecking order as far as yardage goes at Arkansas State right Omar Bayless was their guy I mean Omar Bayless was the guy there and uh and Jonathan Adams was you know outproduced Kirk Merritt in yardage too um and so Kirk Merritt was kind of a, a low yards per catch low yards per attempt kind of guy uh and in the slot doing run after catch and you kind of wonder why you know why why they had him there um instead well, of to being... be fair he was you know he did share first team honors with omar bayless for the all Sun Belt team yeah i, I mean because he had the 12 touch and so yeah. and that's the thing that he can produce he can produce touchdowns and i think that's in part because of his run after catch prowess but um but yeah but still and we're talking 70 catches for a for 800 and six yards i mean it's yeah. that's a low that's a low yards per catch um and so i i, I kind of wonder you, you see the sort of the technical prowess of omar bayless and and what he can do playing off the the defender you know and um and you wonder if that stuff is really there for kirk Merritt. and so i wouldn't be surprised if on this team you know, I could see why they got him. You know, somebody's going to say, hey, this guy, this kid's an athletic dynamo. Let's give him a chance. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if on this team, you know, some of the coaches that start to be a little bit more hard asses about, about whether you're getting it, you know, he just ends up lost in the shuffle. All right. That was – that's who I was really interested in. He's an absolute blazer. In. Oh, isn't he? What's that? He's a, he's a blazer as well, isn't he? I mean, he was – uh, he was second in the 100 meters in the Louisiana State mm-hmm. Championship. His 100 meter time is, his, yeah. past his 100 meter time is 10:45. I mean, he can absolutely fly. Mm-hmm. So and jump and jump uh, through the roof and jump yeah. and jump. Oh, he doesn't I, win I, vertically. I love, he doesn't win vertically as no. a wide receiver, uh, like in the air. I love, <laughs> I love what his um, I love what his solicitor said though about the indecent exposure, which is what I think we should finish Kirk Merritt on. It, it says the 28 year old sophomore is accused of exposing and touching himself. <laughs> during tutoring sessions in front of two adult females during separate incidents a day apart. So, I mean, it wasn't like he just sort of ran around and got his chopper out and uh, <laughs> had a funny moment. Two separate days in front of two separate women in but late October. He, go on. Did you, did you go out? Did you get his excuse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go. go for it. According to the police report of Merritt's lawyer, Rick Davis, 
The two women were tutors and within arm's reach of merit, said Brown. Davis, the lawyer, blamed a bad case of jock itch. <laughs> I'm sorry, a bad case of what? A bad case of jock itch over here is somebody's, <laughs> is somebody's got itchy balls. So uh, maybe Kurt uh, had itchy balls. Um, or maybe... We, need, I mean, we I, need a ball catcher, not a ball scratcher. Yeah, exactly. Badum tish. What I might do is we, we should try and get Rick Davis, Merritt's lawyer, on and say, Rick, what is a bad case of jock itch? And is there a cream for that? Um, yeah. Well, that would uh, explain the scratching. It wouldn't explain the exposure part, is what I would no. say. I'll just let uh, it slip. Think... Yeah. No, I can't. You don't no. slip. No. no, you don't slip. <laughs> no. We're, yeah. let's, let's move away from slips. Yeah, oh, and, and to, be fair, and to be fair to him, as much as we can be, he was recruited at Oregon. He quickly transferred to Texas A&M where he had these incidents. And, of course, mm-hmm. he was kicked off the team. So, and from there, yeah, but that's Texas. In last you, and then Arkansas State. So, yeah, troubled is a, is a good word for his but also, also, let's be realistic. Um, I mean, okay, I haven't got my nutsack out in front of two teachers and run around on two separate days, but we all do stupid things. Not in a while, anyway. Not in a while, anyway. But, yeah. you know, it's, he shouldn't be undeserving of a second chance. No, no, I, I agree. I, All right. That was my guy. Although, you know, now after we've, we've, <laughs> we've obliterated him, yeah, I don't know how much I want to associate myself with Kirk Merritt. But that's Simon, your guy, huh? Yeah, that's my guy. But Simon, is there somebody in this group makes the team, makes the contribution? Um, I quite like Benito Jones. I liked him at Old Miss. I thought it was an interesting two-down um, two down player. Uh, I thought he'd be drafted actually, and I quite like Matt Cole as well. I think he's quite—he's he, one of those intriguing special teams. They absolutely love him on special teams, um, mm. and that's if he makes the team, that's how he'll make the team. Um, but I do think he faces an uphill battle with the receiving talent that we have we have on the roster. But you know, it just depends on what they end up doing. Whether they end up keeping three running backs and six receivers, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen. How many tight ends are they going to keep? Um, and, and just what the makeup of that special teams unit is going to be. But, you know, if, if he makes the team, it will be on special teams, something that he absolutely excels at. So I, I, I find his story intriguing. Um, and, and I think Benito Jones has, has got some ability. And I was, I've been watching, so I spent the last four weeks, I suppose, beginning my 2021 draft stuff and just trying to get way ahead of the game. So I was watching Paris Ford, the Pittsburgh free safety. And mm-hmm. so I saw Kylan, Kylan Johnson, um, a little bit whilst I was watching Ford and then obviously the, the two guys on the defensive line uh, for Pittsburgh that should be interesting next year. Um, and so Johnson, again, an interesting sort of two down, pure kind of line. You know, he's not a guy who's going to get after the quarterback. He's not a, an edge rushing linebacker, but he's just a, you know, he could fit into the mix as a backup linebacker, special teams a, player. So He's a run fit guy, right? I he mean, is a run fit guy. He's an absolutely run fit guy. And that Pittsburgh defensive line was outstanding last year. I think they led the... Uh, the FBS and sacks. Um, mm. And he was just, you know, he just made a lot of clean up, tidy up, solid tackler, two down player, you know, run fit linebacker. And, you know, sometimes you, you, you know, you, you need one or two of those players on your team. So it'll be interesting to see how he, um, you know, where he ends up. And Chris, I, I can guess Donnell Stanley's your guy. No, who, who's that? Um, so a couple of things actually stand out. And before I even get to, I mean, Donnell Stanley is my favorite. Uh, 
one thing right away, I get this question a lot and we see it on Twitter, you know, who's the next Preston Williams and there isn't necessarily an an next Preston Williams last year when you watch Preston Williams, I mean, Preston Williams was dubbed at one point by, it wasn't just us. I mean, Mel Kuyper in the draft process at one point thought he was a first rounder. Um, And so, you know, when, when I I hadn't even watched him before the draft until the Dolphins signed him, but when I watched him, I was like, holy, you know, this is the, this is the second best player we've acquired all off season. You know, this is, this is an incredible find for an undrafted free agent. Nobody on this list is that, um, you know, I hate to, hate to spoil it for anybody. Um, so there's that, but one thing that's striking to me actually is between Kirk Merritt and Matt Cole, and then going back to Malcolm Perry, um, the dolphins were very thematic in the receiver types you know, that they just acquired. They, they acquired three run after catch uh, ball in the hand gadget types, you know, and, and that's, that's what the three of them are. And I, I connect that with, you know, is it any wonder that Albert Wilson got the message and took a pay cut? Yeah. And, you know, so I, you know, I wonder about that um, because I noticed after they got serious with all three of those guys, um maybe albert wilson took the message and he uh and he took i mean he cut his pay in half i believe and Mm -hmm. and it wasn't wasn't like the infamous restructure thing it was just he just took a pay cut a massive one uh usually don't see that happen either so um so i i noticed that that's interesting um and if i'm discounting malcolm perry because he is my overall favorite uh then i have to go to the offensive line and that's donnell stanley of south carolina who i've talked about and the reason that I like Donnell Stanley so much is because, uh, I mean, for for one thing, it's just because he's so massive and strong. I mean, he's he's uh, six foot. What is he? Six foot uh, three? Yeah, six, just just over six foot three, and three hundred twenty four pounds. But he's got a seven foot one in over a seven foot one inch wingspan, thirty five or four and a half inch arms, and ten. 10 and three quarters inch hands, almost 11, 11 inch hands he's bigger in every way than Lloyd Cushenberry and Lloyd Cushenberry was, you know, the standout because of his massive frame and, right. and his long arms. So for a center. And so he's bigger than that. He is stronger than Lloyd Cushenberry from everything that I've seen. Um, you know, he's, he's more stout and he's better anchor. And I've watched this guy go against just a, a parade of really good defensive tackles. I mean, playing in the SEC, he's played against Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins with Clemson. He played against Raekwon Davis. You know, he played against, um, you know, what, what was that guy? Dalen Mack that last year, who is, uh, yeah. you know, go, go head up with Dalen. I know that Dalen Mack isn't a, a great NFL player at this point, but go head up on him you know, with the power that the straight up power that Dalen Mack had. And who did you practice like against this every guy? Day? Who did you practice oh, against? Of course. Him? Yeah, absolutely. He played he, every day. He went against, um, Javon uh, Kinlaw. Yeah. Javon Kinlaw. I mean, and, and he went against Justin Matabuike. He went against to Daryl Slayton, uh, you know, just a, just a whole parade of great defensive tackles. And the thing that's stands out about that is not a single one of them nobody will go up against him and expect to intimidate him physically at all just period because he's that stout and that strong and has and has that kind of frame and so his anchor I mean this isn't just you know watching a couple of snaps and and thinking this I mean on analytically he was the best pass protector in the among all the centers in the draft 
I mean, he, his pressure percentage allowed um, from pro football focus was the best of, of the centers that were, uh, that were in this draft. Uh, the drawback is that he's, he's slow. I mean, he's not, he's not fast. He's, he's a little old too. He's a 60 year senior. Um, and I, I think that for even being as slow as he is, he is kind of surprisingly balanced and smooth on the move, but still, you don't want to get him running East West too much. Um, and you don't want to get him pulling too much um, because even though he's, you know, smooth that way, he's going to get outrun. But in the Dolphins scheme, I mean, based on what we think Chan Gailey's going to run, which is a lot of inside zone and, you know, um, a lot of split zone and uh, duo and stuff like that. Um, you know, he, he seems like, he seems like a, a really good fit for that. And I think that, uh, I think that having that kind of big anchor in front of Tua Tonga Vailoa could really pay dividends because the last thing that you want Tua to have to deal with at this point in his career especially coming off what he just came off is pressure up the middle. And that's what I noticed the dolphins have been trying very hard to make sure it doesn't happen. They've been getting a lot of big uglies for the interior of the line guys that are specifically, you know, kind of good in pass protection that are really lengthy and, you know, have great anchor and, you know, yeah. really big. So I, I think he fits right in that, that, that theme. And, um, and honestly, I think with the roster that we have, because right now, name name our centers, right? It's Ted Karras, mm-hmm. and then it's like, and then who? Because yeah, we think possibly Dieter, <laughs> possibly, but but that's a question. We never confirm that. We just kind of yeah. like you know, hey, we just think guess, that'll just happen. Guesswork. Yeah, it's yeah. just guesswork. And and otherwise, he, it's think, like Keaton Sutherland. I think Stanley and, makes the team because I think he can yeah, play guard exactly. I think yeah, I think he can he can play guard. I think he makes the team, and you know, one strain Ted Harris, one strain bicep or something like that in camp, and then and then Donnell Stanley is the starter, Mm -hmm. which is crazy for you. And he should have been drafted. Yes, I I can't. I can't. You know, you watch him play. You can't. You know, to to hold down a both left guard and and center positions consistently and play the level he did in the SEC and and not get drafted, Mm -hmm. I thought was shocking. And also, I mean, it needs to be said, he was, he won the team's, so he's, he's known as the team's chef. He's, he won the team's nutrition award. He won mm-hmm. the player of spring award. So the best player in spring ball, he won the unselfish teammate award for, for offense. He won the leadership award for offense. He was on the president's outstanding, he, he was a president's outstanding student athlete award winner at the school, a permanent non-rotating team captain. Um, you know, it, they, the, to hear the coach describe, uh, if there was a leadership council at South Carolina, he was certainly ahead of the head of it. And the coach used him as sort of a right hand, right hand guy to get the pulse of the locker room and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is, this is not just a fit schematically, but also a fit of everything that Brian Flores wants. And we mentioned them earlier in the show. And I guess we should close with that. And that's Tua Tonga Vailoa. We keep talking about him as if he won't play this year. And the only people talking about him being redshirted this year are fans, beat writers, and national media types that are just repeating what they keep hearing. But I haven't heard Brian Flores say anything about that. Simon, does he play this year? Uh, well, I mean, the, the problem is that, you you know, Flores is not going to be able to make any commitment to anything until, look, and, and Chris made this point on WhatsApp the other day. You know, I think all of us, to a greater or lesser extent, 
think it's unlikely that we get a full season. I'd be surprised if we get any sort of season, really. But there's no point in us sitting here and really going, we're not going to get a season because we don't have a podcast. So we're always going to operate under the assumption that we're going to get a season, whether or not we do. But, you know, there's a possibility that Tua doesn't even get onto the field with his teammates to throw with any of the guys until, I mean, August, really. Um, so that puts him, you know, that puts him, knocks him back a little bit. I mean, there's so many question marks. Who knows? Who knows how good the team, you know, if the team's 0-8, then what have you got to lose? If the team's out of the playoff race, then what's the, you know, what's the harm in doing it? But if the team is competitive, if the team is competing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and if they are, you know, on the periphery of a playoff spot, I don't, I don't think you can. It just, I mean, it just depends. So, look, look, what's going to happen to Josh Rosen? Will Josh Rosen be the, the, the second string quarterback? Will Tua be the third string? Will it just be Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick? There are so many questions to be answered. You know, and if, look, if there was a full camp, you would give a fairly significant argument to say that Tua might come in and be the best player in that camp. And therefore, that would give Brian Flores a very difficult decision because we know that Brian Flores is not a man who is going to hold back the best players he would want to mm. to play from year zero. I mean, for me personally, I, I think that, you know, I would like him to sit and rebuild his body and rest that body and just fix himself a little bit. You know, some of the issues that, that he's talked about, but also some of the issues that, that Trent Dilfer's talked about in terms of trying to fix his core and, um, you know, just getting rid of the ball a little bit and not taking it not trying to be superman on every play which is one of the things that you know i know was drilled into him at alabama so look i i just think there are so many things that we just don't know at the moment quite apart from whether or not it'll be games just in terms of how good that look this dolphins roster isn't very good still you know we've had this discussion on whatsapp it's not a great roster they've thrown a lot of names at the offensive line I mean, you can't say it's fixed no you can't really say it's fixed um you know the running back you know we all like matt breeder Jordan Howard's a decent, but is the running back position fixed? I don't think it is. Um, you know, if Devontae Parker reverts back to Devontae Parker over the last four, you know, four and a half years, receivers, it's not great. I mean, Mike Gesicki's had half a good season. The defensive line, you know, there's some okay players on there. You know, you expect Christian Wilkins to develop a little bit, but, you know, where's the pass rush coming? Where's the, you know, the secondary looks great, of course, but there's still question marks over Xavier Howard. There's still question marks over the safety. You know, this isn't a very good team still. It's still got a long way to go. So who knows? I mean, that's an incredibly convoluted way of saying I haven't got a fucking clue, frankly. <laughs> that's a great way of saying it. Chris, <laughs> uh, in my opinion, I think the way he plays is if, if they somehow even, if they even sniff, the playoffs and Fitzpatrick gets injured I don't see how Brian Flores says you know what now's a good time to just tank the rest of the season and let's play the inferior player in Josh Rosen I think that Tua Tungavailoa gets in if they're even close if they're in spitting distance of a playoff spot I think he gets in this year what what do you think well I think a couple of things one the I think there is no there is no uh, get out of jail free card for Brian Flores and Chris Greer this year. Uh, they had that. They had that last year. Uh, it didn't where it didn't matter what they did. Uh, now it does matter. And everything I'm hearing from inside the organization is they expect to be competitive. You know, playoffs, everything uh, right now. And so 
you know, what happens, what happens, not just, you're talking about like Ryan Fitzpatrick gets injured for a playoff run and, and they've got to win this game and stuff like that. Well, I say what happens when they're losing games in the middle of the year and Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking like Fitzpat or Fitz tragic instead of Fitz magic, you know, like what happens then? Because let's, let's remember, go back to last year. I mean, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick ran circles around Josh Rosen first week of training camp. But from then on, it was pretty head to head and it went down to the wire. It went down to the very, and in fact, Brian Flores thought he was going to, going to make a decision at one point and then he had to renege on that and like you know nah it's going to take another week to make this decision and then when he did decide on Fitzpatrick uh he pulled him like within two games he pulled him within two games and put Josh Rosen in so Fitzpatrick didn't have a clean beat of Josh Rosen and that was Josh Rosen you know so so what is he going to get on Tua Tungavailoa and I understand that you know maybe Tua might not have the full training camp and all that um and and maybe that's maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, but I think the the chances are pretty good that Tua is going to look better than Fitzpatrick at some point in these practices. And if they start losing some games, which I agree with Simon, this is still not a great team. No, they start losing some games. Everybody, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And that's what, that's what Mike Tyson says. And when the Dolphins get punched in the face and they start losing some games and they have some of those, you know, often type of, you know, the ones we, yeah. we had them at the beginning of last year, when they start having some of those, at what point is Brian Flores going to look at, you know, to a ton of Vailoa who's digesting the offense, you know, because that's what he does. You know, he's going to look at to a ton of Vailoa who's sharp during practice because that's what he does. He's going to look at to a ton of Vailoa who is, affecting his teammates and you know getting chemistry and being a leader because that's what he does right at what point is he going to look at that and say I gotta go with I gotta go with who I think might be the better player here and try and win some football games and let's let's remember this I will I said let's take aside the hip because that's up to the doctors and the trainers uh, the Dolphins doctors and trainers they're going to do the range of motion tests and the uh the the strength tests and they're going to decide whether he's cleared for football or not. That's not – I can't comment on that. So let's assume he's cleared for football. If it weren't for this hip thing, then you would pick him out as a, as a rookie draft prospect and say this rookie draft prospect is more ready to start immediately than almost any other rookie prospect that's come out in a decade. Yes. Right? I mean, that's, that's the truth. I mean, he's run pro offenses. He's run multiple different kinds of offenses. He's been exposed to pro concepts and pro uh, pro habits, and and he's more ready. I mean, you can people say, well, Pat Mahomes, you know, he said, he, well, Pat Mahomes came from Cliff Kingsbury's air raid, had zero pocket habits, pro pro translatable pocket habits. I know, I I love the man to death, hmm. but he didn't have any. And and so and he made a transition to Andy Reid's West Coast offense. That's about as much of a transition as you could possibly make. No, and he right? also and he also had to to make changes in his body because if you remember, only six months before he committed to football exclusively, he was a draftee for the for Major League Baseball. So as a Major League pitcher, you're working different you know muscles in your body. So obviously, sure. he was going through changes to become you know a full time football player. And he had to deal with Alex Smith being in front of him running the number six offense in the NFL. 
yeah. right? They, they got off to a 5-0 and start, scoring 33 points a game. And so, yeah, Pat Mahomes wasn't going to play. He wasn't going to play in his rookie year. Tua Tungavailoa is in a different situation. He has Ryan Fitzpatrick in front of him. He doesn't have Alex Smith in front of him. And we don't think that the offense is going to be scoring 33 points a game and being one of the best offenses. In the, well, I hope, it, I hope I'm wrong. But, I mean, we don't think that's going to be the case. So I think that, yeah, I'll, I'll flip a coin right now. And like Simon said, we don't know if there's going to be a full training camp but if there is a full training camp, I'll flip a coin right now uh, to tell whether Tua Tungavailo is going to walk out of that camp with everybody thinking that he's the best quarterback between he and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's just reality. And, yeah. and so, you know, at, at what point does Brian Flores say, I'm, I got to play the best player? Yeah. I mean, and even if he puts his finger on the scale, I could see, I could see so many scenarios. I could see I could see a scenario where they're they they are three and three and they lose a game to go three and four, and they lose it due to a bad pick late in the game, mm-hmm. and fits Brian, tragic. Yeah, a fits tragic moment, and Brian Flores, you know, looks at himself and says, "You know what? We were a bad pick away from four and three. It's not going to happen again. Tua, you're starting next week. You know what I mean? I could see mm-hmm. so many scenarios, and of course, and the- let's and let's also <laughs> let's face it, Fitzpatrick is thirty eight. Yes. You know, he got beat the hell up last year. I am amazed. Kudos to him for staying healthy the whole year. But that's not going to happen again. Yeah. The only way I could see him getting redshirted if it is if they are complete if it's completely hopeless mm-hmm. and Fitz Fitz, you know, Fitzmatrick if Fitzpatrick gets injured and he's out for the year and it's completely hopeless, I could see them just turning to Rosen and then doing that thing that everybody does where they play you know, your prospect for one game at the end of the year, you know? I don't, I don't know how they get to there without first going through a stage of we want we want to play Tua, though, you know? Because, yes. mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big jump. Going from, going from competing to it's hopeless and now we're just going to go straight for Rosen and suck, you know, suck for whoever's a high draft prospect next year. I mean, I don't think – and first off, back to what I said – you know, Flores and Greer don't have that excuse. You know, they need to be competing their asses off to try and win games this year because that's what Steve Ross expects. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they don't have an excuse. So they're going to have to. They're going to have to try and play the best. Now, now the one thing I'll say is, even if, there might be a little bit of gray area between like, okay, two is the best player, but he's still not ready. Like, what does that mean? I don't. I don't know. But it, you know, if, if he's not, I have a hard time believing if, if he's not ready, like he can't make the calls and stuff like that, he's not the best player. (laughs) So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that, that whole weird thing, but um, because I know some people bring it up, but I just think, I just think he's going to play. I, I put money on it, you know, and I think, I think it's going to be more than five games. Um. I think that he's gonna he's gonna play this year just like uh, Marino did as a rookie in uh, in '83. Yeah, and if and if people remember what what Don Shula did in '83 with with Dan Marino, uh, everybody knew who the better quarterback was. Everybody knew that Dan Marino was better than David Woodley, but Marino back then it was considered okay. You know, you're gonna play this guy. You're gonna give them his red shirt year, and you know you're gonna ease him into the starting spot. It was just, it was like a quarter of the season in, 
the team was a playoff team because the team was coming off of a Super Bowl. And Don Shula just didn't like the, the, the production. And he pulled David Woodley at halftime of a Raider game that they were getting killed in. Marino, of course, throws three touchdown passes in the second half, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? But, and you could see that happening in here, too. Like, you know, just get to an end to some garbage time or something like that. And if he starts really impressing, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And, and Marino entered the season in week five and kept it the rest of the way. And we're in rookie of the year, by the way, that year. Won 12 games. Okay. So, yeah, I could see so many of those scenarios happening. And like I said, the only people talking about redshirt years is mm-hmm. the media fans – beat writers and then the national media just repeat what they hear you know and what's written Mm -hmm. but i don't see we haven't heard it we haven't heard it signaled out of the team uh, out of the actual team yet yes and all we've heard was chris greer say you know the best players will play what Mm -hmm. does that tell you exactly (laughs) i mean that's the only comment made on tua tungavailoa has been chris greer when he was asked about the red shirt year and all he said was the best players will play on this team this year so, okay, I think I think that's pretty clear, especially mm-hmm. for everybody who saw training camp last year and how Fitz, Fitz Mac, Fitzpatrick barely beat out Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean that first week it was clear. It was clear, right? I yeah. mean the first week he was running circles around Rosen, and and then after that though it was you know kind of hit or miss. I remember I remember talking to you about these the practices, and I only attended like two or three myself when they went on to, to they came over to Tampa Bay over here. But I mean, it, it was definitely like not a hundred percent. I mean, it was, it was clear and you got that out of Flores himself because mm-hmm. he was like, I want to make a decision at this point in, in the preseason schedule. And then he couldn't, he was like, uh, I still yeah. can't make a decision. He did that thing <laughs> where he, he delayed it like a week and then he made it right on the eve of the season. And then it was still so close right on the eve of the season that it wasn't even through the end of game two. And, and Josh Rosen was in the game for the rest of the game and started the next week, you know? So I think that that's, I think that tells you something that tells you something about how badly Flores wants to win and how, how badly his ur- or how bad his urge is to play the players that, you know, that are looking good in practice and might give us the best chance of winning. Um, he kind of cycles through people like almost, you know, frantically to try and see if they have something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what, you know, how is, is this the guy that's going to keep Tua Tonga Vailoa on the bench an entire year just because Marvin Lewis. Okay. You know, did it with Carson Palmer way back in the day, but he, and he declared it right away right after the draft. He's like, he's not playing no matter what. And, but Brian Flores has said no such thing, will say no such thing and does not believe such a thing. So I, you know, he's going to play. I think he's going to play. Yeah. And, and another thing and something that, that we've glossed over that defense is loaded with alphas and mm-hmm. they're going to want the better quarterback playing in there because right. they're going to have it in the back of their mind that if they can hold teams under 20 points that they should be winning football games and then they're just going to want the better quarterback and we all know who the better quarterback really is as of right now well you know we say we say that we'll see you know hopefully to makes good on his promise and all that i know if it, i don't want to take away from fitzpatrick i know he's well mm-hmm. re- deeply respected in the team um 
and and so nobody's going to disrespect him for for being the starter but i just think that you know hey when the bullets start flying and you're on the hook for these losses and you know like you said you, you get a a bad pick at the end of the game that probably cost you and it's like in the other the offense is otherwise stagnant it's like well maybe you know maybe maybe we give the kid a chance and once that happens you know all bets are off because we know what kind of player to it is yeah so well that's maybe that's hopeful maybe that's wishful thing i don't know but yeah i think there's I think, way too many scenarios where to a place to just you know summarily exactly. dismiss it that he's just going to be a red shirt it's going to be a red shirt year like i just don't think we have the kind of coaching staff that would do that yeah i really don't mm. uh, well it's been it was a great return for simon if you didn't hear him the last 10 minutes that he went to bed because you know we, we have, you know we mercifully you know let him go to bed because it's very late out in London and he is of course recovering from COVID nineteen so we will talk to you guys next week we don't know about what but we'll figure something out see you then thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.